Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Wow. What a declaration, man. I love it. I, I hope you I hope you are just full right now of what God's doing with this presence, his power, his spirit in his place. And thank you all again for coming out. We are so glad to be together back at home in our, our home home field advantage, right? Here together in the house of God at Connections. And uh, we're in week two. If you weren't here last week, thank you for coming this week. You can check it out and catch up uh, on, a, on a mini study that we started last week on the book of Haggai out of the Old Testament. And, and this series is called Profiting from the Prophets. And we're going to touch back on this from time to time and walk through some of the prophetic books of the Bible, which are, are often neglected but are very powerful. And, and we thank you for being here today. And, and, and what a, what a, a timely message today's message is really because of honoring the graduates and and both the college and high school we're going to uh, share a couple more with you at the end of service that we have uh, they are ready to take their next step in their lives and and these are big big steps to take when you graduate after years of study and all that and those of us that have already moved through these stages of life can attest to the fact that it can be a wild ride amen I mean, everything that you kind of have envisioned sometimes doesn't necessarily work out like you had thought or hoped or believed it would, and, and there's lots of ups and downs, and, and one of the big things that they're going to face in chasing their dreams and their futures, look at me, church, one of the big enemies that they're going to face is a thing called discouragement. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, and, and maybe you're thinking, wow, this, this could be a, a little more positive message for, for our graduates who are about to go take on the world and, and seize their place and all that. And it is going to be that because we're going to find out just how we all can face that, but not only face it, overcome and defeat this enemy called discouragement. Because no matter if you graduated a year ago, graduating this week, 10 years ago, 50 years ago, 1,000 years ago, like Don, then you're always going to be facing discouragement in some matter or another. Now, now you might be thinking, well, they, they probably had some discouragement already in their life, and, and that's true. But we're not talking about, you know, having to eat old, old plain Cheerios instead of Captain Crunch in the morning, being a little discouraged because of that. We're talking about some, some big stuff. Now, some of them, I don't want to belittle their issues, have been through quite a bit at their young ages. And my heart goes out to them. But I dare say that every one of us in this room already know what discouragement is all about. And I would venture to say this right now. There's probably many of us in this room that are dealing with some major discouragement right now. How many of you feel that in your own life? How many of you have been walking through that valley of, of, of an attack of, of this thing called discouragement? You know what discouragement is? It's really something that comes and robs our courage. It wants to steal the courage away that God says is rightfully ours in facing every situation we will encounter in this life. How about that, church? So instead of losing courage, we want to find out how it's possible to gain courage, to stay encouraged. Don't you love that? And to live in the courage that is desperately needed to overcome in this life. Now, last week we started this study out by talking about God raising up a guy once again, to lead the people back to rebuilding the temple that had been destroyed and they had started out great but got frustrated because of the enemies telling them that it wasn't the time. How many of you now is the time, right? 
Now is the time. How many of you used some air quotes on somebody this week? Huh? And I'm going to tell you, there were a lot of great opportunities this week to use some air quotes. So I hope you didn't miss those and you took advantage of those. But, but they got frustrated. They stopped the work. And, 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 it, and it stayed in delay for 16 years. And they had started to work on their own homes. Chapter 1 tells us out of Haggai. And, and boy, they were really doing a great job from what it sounds like because God even acknowledged that. You're working on your homes and their paneled homes. And it's really nice. And, and then finally God raises up this prophet to call them back to the work. Not only to restore and rebuild the physical temple, but even more important, to honor God and prioritize him in their lives, in their community, in their homes. And that's the greater lesson that we take away from last week. And so now we want to move our attention to this week and where God is taking them and us. How many of you ever heard of a guy by the name of Thomas Edison? Raise your hands if you've heard of him. Okay, the rest of you need to know who this guy was. You see these things shining bright and illuminating our room somewhat. I know it's kind of dim in here for us older folks still, but... The light bulb. This man invented the light bulb. However, most people do not know what he went through to invent the light bulb. History tells us that on his 10,000th try, flash your fingers 10,000 times and see how many, I'm just kidding, you'll be here all day. 10,000 attempts to invent this thing that he knew was possible somehow. He just couldn't quite figure it out for the longest time. When he tried for the 10,000th time, it failed for the 10,000th time. His wife said, hey, hey, Tom, look at me, church. She, she said, Tom, are you not just incredibly discouraged now at failing for the 10,000th time at this? And I love his response. Instead of losing his dream in discouragement, he looked at her and said, no, not really. Now I know 10,000 ways it won't work. I mean, that is, that's incredible. That's the kind of heart, the kind of spirit, the kind of life that we need inside of us. And, and, and right now it seems like perseverance is an outdated concept in our day of instant everything. The reality is if it doesn't come easy, then why pursue it? If it's hard or requires endurance or work or everything else that, that it takes, maybe it just isn't our thing and we'll just throw in the towel and give up. Doesn't that just make you sick? If there's something inside of you that's a fighter, if there's something inside of you that loves to build and loves to dream and loves to see great things accomplished, I'm going to tell you, you're sitting in a building right now. You're, you're sitting on property right now that, that's here because we didn't give up. We met from pillar to post, and, and we had this dream that one day God was going to give us a home of our own, and one day God was going to give us property, and one day he was going to give us a building and facility to do the work of the ministry at and through Connections Church. And you know what? There are a lot of people that said, you will never see that happen. It's not going to take place. Y'all can't do it with just a, a ragtag group of, of young believers and, and people who, who can't really help make it happen. And I said, you're wrong. I know what God has spoken to my heart, and I know the dreams that he's put in my life, and I know that if he's put them there, he's going to make them happen, and I will not give up, and I will not quit. It's easy in this day and time to throw in the towel. 
It's easy to start a new diet. Anybody ever tried that? And I mean, you know, it goes great for that first 10 minutes. But then you start thinking about a nice, warm, ooey-gooey cinnamon bun with just a nice scoop of vanilla ice cream on top of it where it's melting a little bit around the edges. And it's all just melding together in this wonderful concoction of flavor and taste and sweet delight. And once that starts getting in your brain, whoo! I mean, it starts hammering away and hammering away, and the next thing you know, 20 minutes into your diet, you're no longer on a diet. And then you say these famous words, I think I will start this. Yeah, right, tomorrow, you know that. You've said that like I have. It's easy to get married, right? Some people have gotten quite good at it, doing three, four, five, six times. I mean, you know, it's easy to get married. I've been married a time and two now. It's easy to walk down the aisle, look at each other in the eyes and say, I love you for eternity and I'll never, I'll never forsake you. You're my one and only. It's hard to live it out. It's hard to do the work necessary to stay together. It's easy to begin a new ministry in a local church. I've seen a ton of them started. I've seen a few of them carried out to fruition. Go in the distance, making a difference for a long term, over the long haul. Not many, just a few. Hear me this morning. It's easy to get fired up initially, get excited at the beginning, but then die out very quickly. See, the problems can be when the results don't match our initial expectations, right? And that describes the people in Haggai's day. Just shy of a month after they had obeyed his first prophetic message and started the work on rebuilding the temple, the foundation had been laid about 15 years before, but the prophet had been set on the shelf. But now, now in response to Haggai's word from the Lord, the leaders and the people had begun to rebuild on the 24th day of the sixth month of the second year of Darius, September 21st, 520 B.C. The seventh month of Israel in Israel began with the Feast of the Trumpets on the first day, followed by the Day of Atonement on the tenth day. Then the Feast of the Tabernacles went from the 15th to the 21st. I know you're not going to remember that. I just wanted to tell you that. And on the last day of the feast, picture this in your mind. This prophet of God, Haggai, stands up and delivers his second message to the people. And I want to read that beginning at the verse, first verse in chapter 2. It says, in the seventh month of the 21st of the month of, of the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, verse 2, speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheffield, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jezak, and the high priest and the remnant of the people saying this, who is left among you who saw the temple in its former glory? the temple that Solomon had built and constructed. And how do you see it now in comparison with it? Is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, the, the high priest, and be strong, all the people of Israel, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I have covenanted with you when, I came out of, when you came out of Egypt. So my spirit remains among you. Mark that in your Bible. My spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Because I believe that's a word for us right now. 
God's spirit remains with us. I don't care what kind of Hades, and I'll clean it up because our kiddos are in here, is breaking loose all around us in our cities, in our towns, on our streets. I, 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 I care, but I don't care because it's not enough to overcome the spirit of God that is with us that causes us not to have to fear, right? So we don't have to be afraid. When we're in the palm of his hand, when we belong to him, when we are the children of the most high God, guess what? He says, my spirit's always going to be there. And he was reminding the people of Haggai's day. You're looking at the temple. And you're thinking to yourself, all those of you that were here, come on, girl, come with me and preach. All of you that were here before and you saw the glory of Solomon's temple, guess what? You're comparing what was to what is going to be. And you're saying to yourself, This isn't anything like that temple in Solomon's day. Let me read the rest of this, verse 6. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple. Don't miss this. He said, I will fill this temple, this new temple, This new building, this new place of worship with glory, says the Lord of hosts. How many of you want the glory of God to fill your life, to fill our churches, to fill our homes and our nations? He said, I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace says the Lord of hosts. He's going to give his glory, his peace, his courage. Look at me, church. How many of us right now need a fresh dose of glory, peace, and courage in the moments we are living in? Huh? Or right here, what God promised to them all these thousands of years ago, he makes available to us right now. Three quick things before we finish this up that I want to share with you about this. Number one is simply this. God hears and he helps us. He's looking down and he's seeing what's going on. He's seeing the discouragement setting in to the people of God who have been called to rebuild the temple. And he sees them comparing. He sees them looking back to to the days of glory when the temple was there. And sometimes we are guilty of that in our own lives. Oh, that we would go back to this way or that way. Oh, I remember the good old days. How many of you have heard that before? The good old days. Well, God's wanting to establish the good new new days. I believe even the greater new days than what lies behind us, what lies ahead of us, he says, is going to be even greater than the days of old. But do we believe his promise? Do we believe his word and take him up on that? Here's what I want you to know. God hears and he always helps These are some very quick things I'm going to give you that that I believe brought discouragement to them and and can bring it to us as well. Are you ready? Turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready? Turn back to him and say, you need to hear this. Here's one of the things. A loss of initial excitement can discourage us. I've seen it happen a thousand times. I've seen it happen once. People get on fire, all excited about an idea, a vision, a dream, a ministry, possibility, something that God's called them to. Man, they are so fired up, they're bouncing off the walls in the first few weeks and few days and few hours. But as time goes on and it gets a little difficult because you're trying to implement it, put it in place, build it, do the work necessary, guess what? That fire can diminish very quickly and very easily for some reason. 
And the next thing you know, it's all just but gone out. And that thing that you were once passionate about, had a, had a fire for, has disappeared. Secondly, delays can en- encourage us. Work for the Lord seldom moves as quickly as we would hope. And maybe, just maybe working around the numerous feasts and Sabbath days in the seventh month and had dampered the initial enthusiasm because the work was going so slowly at this point in time. Church, it's easy for that to happen in anything we do for God. And delays can get us down. Would you write that down somewhere? Delays can get us down. Thirdly, outside opposition and criticism can discourage us. We talked about that last week in verse 5. The Lord says, do not fear. He he would not say that unless they had a reason to be afraid. Probably the same men who had threatened them and lobbied against them at the Persian court 16 years before were at it again. Anytime you attempt to do God's work, the enemy is going to stir up opposition. I can guarantee that as sure as I'm standing here in front of you right now. We're in a spiritual battle. And we need to fight with spiritual weapons. The weapons of our warfare, that's easy for me to say, are not carnal, but they are mighty in God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds that need to be torn down and destroyed. Remember that there's going to be outside opposition, but there's also going to be inside pessimism and comparisons and faulty expectations. I'm going to tell you, I've had almost just as much opposition from inside the church through the years of ministry and Christianity than I have from outside the church. People will say, well, we, we just don't do it like that, Pastor. We, we've never done that before. Hello? I know that. That's why we're doing something new, because what you've been doing all these years just ain't cutting it. And you can either get on board and go with us, or you can find somebody else that's doing it like you used to do 50 years ago. Listen, church, you are going to face some pessimism amongst the ranks. I'm sure there was some mumbling and grumbling saying, hey, man, this thing's just not taking off. Let's just go grab our clubs and hit the golf course and and forget about this temple. You know what? You can do that, but I'm going to keep on working on a building. Like they said back in the day, I'm just working on a building. I'm just working in the kingdom of God, helping do all I can do to build God's building, his house, his glory come back and be restored and revival break loose everywhere we are, church, because that's who we are and that's what we're called to. You can do whatever else you want to and give up with pessimism and criticism and every other ism that's out there that's going to stop you, but it ain't going to stop me. I don't care if friend or family member turns their back on me. I shall not be moved. I'm like a tree that's planted by the waters, the word of God says, and I'm not going to be moved. Though none go with me, whoa, the old song of the church says, still I will follow. Because I have decided. You can criticize. You can turn your back. You can betray. You can do whatever you want. But the glory of God will not let me stop. And so you hear, hear this right now. you got to get to a point in your heart, in your life, that the glory of God is compelling you to the place that you will not stop either. You won't throw in the towel. You won't say it's too hard. Everybody else is turning away. Oh, look at society. They're just, you're just moving from, from Christ and his kingdom and, and his ways and his virtues and his values. And, and they're just going after the things of the world. It's so hard to go against the flow. You better believe it is. It's hard. But I'm telling you, it's worth it. And it's always the right thing for us.
to move forward and get out of discouragement. Another thing that can discourage us is a wrong view of success. That can hurt us. A lot of people view success externally rather than internally. This temple isn't as big as Solomon's temple. This temple doesn't have all the gold and the fancy workmanship that Solomon's did. But God says through Haggai, listen, listen again. I own all the gold and silver in the world. Basically, he's saying, I could cover this temple. I could cover your city. I could cover this planet with gold. Because he owns it. He created it. He invented it. If I wanted to do that, I could do that. But here's what he said. I'm going to do something better. Instead of gold, I'm going to fill this place with my glory. How many of you would take that trade any day, every day, all day? I want the glory. You can have the gold. Give me God. Give me his presence. Give me his life with me. Nothing else compares. But we've got to get to that place that that's what matters. There's a lot of other churches that are slick looking. Better facilities. Better programs. Better pastors, you would think. <laughs> Thank you, Don. After all the abuse. <laughs> You're my man. But let me tell you something. If they don't have the glory of God, and if they compromise the word of God to draw a crowd, they've got nothing. The Bible calls it wood, hay, and stubble. And it's going to burn up. I don't want that. I don't wish that. I want every church to find the glory of God, the passion of God, the righteousness of God, and, 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 and live on that. And be all about the Father's business. But so many of us have this wrong view of success. Give me 10 people that are sold out to Christ that will not compromise. And I'll take that over a million. Over a million who compromise the glory and the word of God any day. Second thing I want to share with you is this. God's charge to us is that we persevere. Three times the Lord repeats this statement, be strong, which means take courage. And he tells them to work, keep going, persevere. There are two aspects of this kind of perseverance very quickly. One is an attitude and the other is an action. Perseverance requires the right attitude, right? Be strong. How many of you have, have trained your mind to just be positive? How many of you have spoken to your heart and say, you know what, I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to, I'm going to give faith statements. I'm not going to speak negative. I'm going to speak the glory of God. I'm going to speak yes instead of no. And I'm not talking about this faith, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about standing on the word of God who says that he's for me, not against me, who says that I'll work all these things out, that you don't have to worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. If you seek ye first the kingdom of God and all my righteousness, all these other things are just going to work out for you because of who I am. The right attitude. Let's just call it the God attitude. Is the first part. The second thing, perseverance requires the right action, and that is work. That is roll your stinking sleeves up and get down to business and put the work in. A lot of people want the success without 
having to put in the work. A lot of, here, here's what I said years ago, and it still sticks with me. A lot of people want the benefits of the resurrection without having to go through the crucifixion. We've got to be crucified with Christ, the Bible tells us, and that's not fun, and that's going to be painful, and that's going to take a lot of work, and it's going to take some endurance, and it's going to take giving whatever we have to give and suffering whatever we have to suffer. But I'm going to tell you something. We won't taste the glories of the resurrection until we're ready to put in the work of being crucified with Christ. Whatever you got to do, put the work in, folks. Stop this spirit of laziness that has entered into the church and say, somebody else will do it. Somebody else will take care of it. I'm just going to put it on cruise control and wait till it takes me to heaven. Stop that. That is wrong. Get down to business. Do the work. Say, God, I don't care. I'm going to be about my father's. What is it? Business is not leisure, he says. Not be about my father's leisure activity or laziness or strolling around doing nothing. No, it's business. And what is business? Business is work. Business is paying the price. Business is getting down and digging up the dirt and putting the seed in it and watering and picking all the weeds out of it and doing what needs to be done to see the fruit of righteousness harvested. I'm going to tell you, the church quit working years ago. That's why we're in the shape we're in right now. Y'all want to hear some preaching? That's why we're in the shape we're in right now in this nation. The church quit doing the work. The the church quit standing in the gap. Quit working the fields. Jesus told his disciples, look in the fields. They are what? They are ripe and white and ready for harvest. But the laborers are plentiful, right? No, few. There's a man that knows his word. The laborers are few. Pray! That the Lord of the harvest would send more laborers. He's trying to send us. But are we going to go? Are we going to do the work? Are we going to persevere? Young people, you're graduating. Get out there and get to work. Be about your father's business wherever he plants you. If he puts you, you're a minister of the gospel. If he puts you in, 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 a, in a, a, a steel worker's uniform, then you go be a minister of the gospel. If he puts you in a nurse's uniform, you go be a minister of the gospel in a nurse's uniform. If he puts you in a police officer's uniform, you go be a minister of the gospel in a police officer's uniform. Wherever he puts you, you work for the kingdom. You're not working for the man. You're working for the kingdom of God and the most high God himself. Do the work. Persevere. Have the right attitude. And lastly... God assures us when we are discouraged in serving him by his presence, his promise, and his prophecy, his prophetic word. First of all, when we're discouraged in serving him, he comes to us with his presence. Verse 4b says, after telling Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the people to be strong and to work, God adds what? For I am with you. No greater words we could ever hear. God is with us. God is for us. God is here. And you know what? When you leave this building in just a few minutes, he's not going to be at the back door saying, like Forrest Gump, have a good week. I'll see you next week here. No, when you leave, he's going to be going right with you. When you jump in your car, he's going to be right there in the car. Jesus, take the wheel, right? I mean, come on. God is with you. So he promises his presence, and he delivers on that promise. And he also promises us 
his promises. <laughs> I love that. He assures us when we're discouraged in serving him by his promise. Verse 5 refers to the covenant God made with Israel when they came out of Egypt. He promised them then, and he promises us now that his spirit would go with them and abide in their company, in their midst. His promises are sure and true and yes and amen. Let me ask you a simple poll question. You ever had somebody promise you something and not deliver? Raise your hand. I just want to see if it's what I think it is. Yep, 100%. Why? Because we break promises. Good intentions, most of us. Not all of us. But we just can't keep the promises for some reason that we all make. But you know who can? The God who spoke the heavens and the earth into existence. The God who says, I give you this promise. And look at me, church. And he says, you can stake your life and everything on what I tell you. I know you've been disappointed. I know you've been discouraged. I have too. People letting us down through the years. But guess what? God will not because his promises are sure and true. And then finally, he assures us with his prophecies. The many prophecies in Scripture are not given for us to speculate about the future, but to strengthen and encourage our faith. When we see how God has worked down through the ages in accordance with what he has told his people in advance, it encourages us to keep serving him. There will be a babe born in a manger in the city of David. They'll wrap him in swaddling clothes. I don't know what that is, but I've always liked that swaddling clothes terminology. And they're going to lay him in that feed trough. And he will be the Savior of the world. Did it happen? You better believe it. All through the pages of Scripture, there are prophecy after prophecy, proclamations of God of things that will come to pass. And every one up to this point in history has happened. Hear this this morning. There's only a handful, I believe, of prophecies yet to be fulfilled the greatest of those is the return of Jesus Christ to take his people home. <laughs> and I believe now more than 30-something years ago when I started doing this that we are so close to that day when he'll split the eastern sky. Folks, he gives us himself, his presence. He gives us all the promises throughout the Word of God, and He gives us prophecy that has and will come to pass. Why be discouraged? Sure, we're going to battle it. All of us will. But we don't have to get lost in it and locked into it. We can know what it is when it hits us and stand up against it and say, I will not allow this to take root in my life. I know people that have been just wallowing in discouragement for years because they didn't grab a hold of the presence and the promise and the prophetic words of God to them and about them. Don't let that happen to you. Look up, smile, be joyful. Our redemption is drawing near. He, he's almost ready I believe, to step out and call us home. Would you close your eyes with me just for a moment? We're going to end our service 
right now just by asking in this room, if you're discouraged, if you walked into this place today, if you're watching right now and you have been living in discouragement for, for any length of time, I just want to pray for you right now that the Lord would break that in your life, heal that in you, and set you free. And if you're in this room and, and, and that describes where you're at right now, could you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, please say a, a, a prayer over me this morning. I'm, I'm dealing with that big in my life. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, just, just be honest about it. Just raise your hand and between you and me and God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Discouragement has caught you in its grip. Anybody else? Maybe you're in this room and you say, you know what? I'm not serving Christ. I haven't surrendered my life fully. And right now, today, now is the time. I want to do that before we finish this part of our service. Would you just raise your hands across this room if, if you're dealing with that in your life and you need to walk with Christ? Yes, ma'am. Thank you for your, your heart to serve him, to know him. Anybody else in here? Just raise your hand. Yes, thank you, sir. Yes, thank you, sir. There's three people right now. Maybe you've walked with God before. Maybe you're just not where you once were. The last thing I feel to pray for as we we close this time is, is this. If you have thrown in the towel on something that you know God has called you to be and to do in your own life, but you, you, you heard the, the voice of the Holy Spirit speak resurrection life to that thing, that place, that ministry, whatever it is, that situation, would you just Raise your hand and say, Pastor, God's doing that work in my life, and I want to respond, and I, I want to be a, a man or woman of faith, a young person of faith, and I want to go after it and not give up and persevere and endure like a good soldier and, and see the fruit. When I want to put in the work, would you just raise your hands across this room and say, Pastor, pray for me. God's resurrecting that dream in my life right now. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. Thank you. I want us all to stand up right now across this room, whether you raise your hand or not. Several folks have made the decision to turn and surrender their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ for Him to be Savior and Lord of their lives. Father, thank You. The most important decision. We celebrate You. We celebrate them and, and this great thing happening, the greatest of all things that could happen. New life in Jesus Christ today. Father, salvation that's only through the name and the person and the work of Christ Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Thank You for that, God. Right now as they repent of their sins and they, they open up their hearts and lives and, and invite you to come and lead their lives. And cleanse them today, God. Thank you that you are doing just that. For everyone that said today, you know what, I'm battling discouragement big time in my life. I feel like I'm locked in this season, God. I, I just can't seem to find a way out. But Lord, you are the way out. And right now, I speak freedom in the name of Jesus. I speak deliverance, God. I speak breaking that bondage right now, that stronghold. Be torn down in Jesus' name, God. And joy would come flooding in. And purpose and hope and life and, and faith and all those great gifts that you possess and want to give to us, God, would come in and break that Hold in Jesus' name. And God, for those who have thrown in the towel on some things in their lives and walked away, Lord, I just thank you that the turnaround is happening right now, that right now they're responding to the, to the call of the Holy Spirit, and God, they're moving back towards you and the purpose and the destiny and the plans and the dreams and the visions, God, that you have shared with them. And from here on out, God, they will hear and follow you. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We honor you and we bless you.
And we pray these things in Jesus' mighty name right now. Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.